Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, Playmakers. Hello. What's going on, everyone? We have a special guest. This is going to be an interesting topic, and we are not going to talk any further. We're going to go ahead and let her introduce herself. Hi, Ashley and Brittany. My name is Brooke Schnittman. I'm an ADHD and executive function life coach. My company, Coaching with Brooke, has seven coaches. So we are very boutique and we specialize in all different areas of ADHD for children and adults who might struggle with the symptoms in work, life, home, relationships, all that. So we started our company in 2018, going strong for four years and have worked with thousands of individuals with ADHD. Wow, this is incredible. So we've been wanting to have this conversation for a while because ADHD is a huge term and we just want to unpack that. But before we get started, we want to hear how you got started in this industry um, and that passion of just coaching others with ADHD. Yeah, absolutely. So in 2006, graduated from NYU with students with disabilities. And from there, I became a special education teacher working primarily with individuals with ADHD, learning disabilities and anxiety and worked as a special education teacher for seven years on Long Island. Then from there was an assistant director of special education for four years and moved to Florida to be closer to my family. I knew I wanted to have my own business, have a greater impact in the lives of um, individuals, but I wasn't sure exactly what. I then became coached for a year. Didn't even know what coaching was. Um, I was at a group coaching platform and it was amazing for the first time I was able to execute really big projects and follow through on it all the way until the end. I started learning about my strengths, my weaknesses, how I was showing up for myself, for others. And at the time I didn't know I had ADHD. So then I combined the two, I know, crazy, right? I combined the two coaching and ADHD. And I said, you know what, let me start ADHD coaching. I also um, met a friend in South Florida who did that as well. And she's like, you'd be great for it. So I went for my certifications and got ADHD coaching, life coaching, parent coaching, and then started my company coaching with Brooke in 2018. And then it just expanded from there. So, and then in 2019, I learned I had ADHD as well. That's crazy. So how did you even like find out that you had ADHD then? Were you coaching someone and it kind of just clicked or was someone else like, hey, maybe you have ADHD? So in the past, I've always had structure in my jobs because I worked for other people or I work in an environment that was structured. But I was working virtually with my clients before COVID online and I would coach them. I was focused, but then after that, I would have to do my notes and do another task and shift my attention and then come back to the next coaching client. And I realized there was something wrong with that. Like I wasn't able to shift my attention and come back and focus on the things that I needed to focus on. So I was like, you know what? I'm starting to see a lot of the symptoms in me as an adult. At that time, I was 35. Um, with ADHD as my clients, because I was at that point, mostly coaching adults. Mm -hmm. So I went to a recommended psychologist and um, I did an informal uh, survey. I had 
my relatives and close friends do it from childhood and adulthood. And I did my own and the psychologist diagnosed me with ADHD combined type moderate. Hmm. With ADHD, there has to be like a spectrum, right? There's like extreme case and then all the way to simple. So how does that range fall? So when you're doing a life coach session or things like that, how do you do that placement? Because we were actually just talking about this before we started recording. People use that term loosely. They're just like, oh, I have ADHD. Like if you get distracted by a task. So I feel like that process is actually way more in depth than what we may think. Yeah. So believe it or not, not everyone has ADHD, even though it's become very trendy over the pandemic. (laughs) Even when I talk to my close friends and family, they're like, oh, don't we all have? No, we don't. Um, (laughs) In fact, only 11% of children have ADHD and almost 5% of adults in the U.S. And it's climbing uh, because people over the past two years have started to really be with themselves and are recognizing their symptoms and how they're showing up. And um, I think with TikTok and Instagram, Mm -hmm. they're learning a lot more about themselves, which is wonderful. So I think ADHD is underdiagnosed, overdiagnosed and diagnosed. So Mm -hmm. I think that there's still a lot of people who don't know that they have it, but I think that also some people might, you know, generalize it too much. So yes, there is a spectrum and you could have mild, moderate, or severe. However, you know, everyone has executive functions in their brain and everyone might have a little bit of a deficit in their executive function, which is in the prefrontal cortex of their brain at some point or another. So organization, procrastination, prioritization, inhibition, activation. So there are things throughout life that might inhibit you from having strong executive functions. Mm -hmm. But with ADHD, you have to have this for over six months in at least two areas of your life. And, you know, depending if you're a child or an adult, it's five out of nine symptoms or six out of nine symptoms. So, you know, not everyone has ADHD. And just because you might be struggling an organization does not mean you have ADHD. (laughs) there's also like coexisting conditions with ADHD and sometimes Mm -hmm. just other conditions that might look like ADHD, like anxiety, depression, learning disabilities, OCD, ODD, all of those things might exacerbate symptoms that seem like ADHD or hormones in women, lack of sleep, like malnutrition, memory issues, traumatic brain injuries, aging, All of that can impact your executive functions. You were saying that only 11% of kids and 5% of adults, do you think that you have it as a child and maybe you don't get diagnosed till later or does it develop as you get older? It is something that you're born with and in women, so we're all women here, we very often will have the inattentive type or the combined type, not the impulsive type. So, you know, ADHD has changed its terminology from the very beginning used to be, uh, I forget the exact language, but a childhood disorder for boys. Mm -hmm. So many people have that perception of the boy in the classroom who can't sit still, who gets out of his seat, who calls out, you know, who's just all over the place. Mm -hmm. And with a female who's inattentive and boys can be inattentive too, but they might be staring at you and and nodding and masking their ADHD, but not processing Mm. what you're saying and missing it. So it's a lot 
less likely to be picked up by uh, females in their early childhood than it is for males. So we likely have ADHD in our childhood, but when we become adults, very often with inattentive type job, relationship, transitions, all of those things might exacerbate our ADHD symptoms. And finally, we recognize that there's something that's not right. Or when we go from structure to not structure Mm -hmm. in our childhood, we have our teachers, we have our parents who act as our executive functions. But then when we become adults, we're on our own Mm -hmm. and then we have to figure it out. No one teaches us how to adults, right? Right. Yeah, when you said structure versus non-structure, it just popped up in my mind because that is really what our industry does. (laughs) We don't really have one environment that stays consistent for more than, I mean, it could be six months, it could be three years. And so a lot of our listeners here have kiddos that get to Mm -hmm. go from one environment to the next. And so what tips can you provide for the parents that maybe could be helpful with their kids knowing that they're going to have to be taken from environment to environment and start over if their child were to have ADHD? Whether they have ADHD or not, I think it's important to have some sort of consistency in the way that you parent, in the way that you set routines, because children rely on that. Children feel safe with that. So if it's maybe a morning routine or an evening routine, so that can help them adapt to the move. I would also make sure that things that they feel safe with, whether it be toys or blankets, something that they can hold on to goes with them on the move. But yeah, creating and maintaining that structure that they feel safe with Mm -hmm. can certainly help. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you see a lot of like a range of people like kids to adults or mostly just adults? Yes. So me personally, I obviously started with children in my teaching environment. So then I naturally went to the children realm, Mm -hmm. but I realized that maybe because I didn't know at the time I had it, I connected more at that time to adults. So me personally, at this point, I work with professionals and executives and entrepreneurs with ADHD. Mm-hmm. My my coaches work with the whole gamut, parents, children, college students, teens, adults, in groups, individually, everyone. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> everybody. I, I've learned a lot about it in the past couple of years. My brother has ADHD and he was kind of explaining some things to me and it's so interesting. Do you think that you could explain to people like the general idea of what their brain thinks like if that makes sense like kind of giving them a rundown of like maybe an entrepreneur or maybe somebody that like you know has a day-to-day corporate job how they like how their brain thinks yeah so everyone with ADHD as you mentioned it's a spectrum so we could have different symptoms at different times Um, there's different types of ADHD however some common symptoms of ADHD is lack of impulse control of course the impairment of the executive functions lack of focusing organization now it doesn't mean that you can't focus it just might mean that you can't focus on the things that you need to focus on so prioritizing your focusing so With individuals with ADHD, the things that are exciting to us or that are on a time crunch or urgent, those are the things that we typically focus on. Mm -hmm. The things that are project-based, long-term, maybe mundane tasks as far as 
running numbers or paying bills or even paying back yourself for expenses in the company. Those types of things are things that typically we don't do and don't prioritize. The face-to-face, the social, a lot of people with ADHD are very good salespeople because they're in front of people, they connect with people really well, and they love the change in environment and not knowing what to expect and the, the conquest of the win. But that mundane task where you're sitting at your desk and you know, you're doing reports, those types of things are typically not as easy and as energizing for mm-hmm. individuals with ADHD. And does it usually run with something else, like another disorder, ADHD, OCD, or anxiety, like you had mentioned before? Yeah, 50% of individuals with ADHD have a coexisting um, condition. Interesting. Autism, anxiety, depression, and actually, yes, so there's so many learning disabilities, processing disorders, OCD, OED. And with women, very often, we get diagnosed with anxiety and depression first because not everyone specializes and understands ADHD. Mm -hmm. So with women and men, you can exhibit symptoms of anxiety and depression because you're not regulating your ADHD. You don't know how to follow through on something. You don't know how to break things down into chunkable bite-sized tasks. You don't know how to prioritize or organize and you're overwhelmed with things that are not completed. Mm -hmm. And maybe the way that you're communicating socially and people not understanding you that you can get anxious, Mm -hmm. but it's related very often to the ADHD piece. So unfortunately in the past, a lot of people were diagnosed with anxiety and depression and the, the therapist or whoever diagnosed them didn't know that it was really their ADHD. So it might not be anxiety and depression as a diagnosis. It might be ADHD. Me specifically, I was diagnosed with anxiety. And then because I'm in the field, I realized it's not anxiety. It's ADHD and anxiety is related to the mm-hmm. ADHD. Wow, that's so interesting. But you can have both at the same time. And that's yeah. a coexisting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about the genetic factor a little bit because I find that so fascinating because in my family, ADHD does run as well. So is it every generation or is it skip one or how does that usually happen? Yeah. So um, the theory is that ADHD tends to run in families. And in most cases, it's thought that the genes you inherit from your parents are a significant factor in developing the condition. So typically, if a child has ADHD, one of their parents has ADHD. And many people that I coach, including my coaches of the company, they found out that they had ADHD because their children were diagnosed with ADHD. Oh my gosh. Interesting. How did that like impact them? Because I feel like that would be such a weird way to find out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so frequent, especially for women. So that impacted them by saying, wow, my whole life is finally explained. Mm -hmm. And so often adults who have children with ADHD will have issues communicating with their children because they themselves have a difficult time structuring themselves and regulating themselves. So how can you tell your child to regulate themselves and teach them how to do when you yourself can't? Mm -hmm. So they learn by example and model. So you need to, it's like, put your oxygen mask on first before you put your child on. You need to figure out the ways to help yourself before you can help others. That's good. Your children. 
What are some of those coping tips that you can give us? Just kind of off the bat, obviously, I know every case is probably very different. And obviously on the spectrum, you know, if it's mild versus severe, but what are some things that you can tell everybody if they are struggling with ADHD? So yeah, symptoms are definitely a range of symptoms, but I would say to get a support group, whether it be your family, your friends, a coach, therapist, people who understand you, people that you can connect with and just feel like they get you Mm -hmm. and also support you too. Doesn't mean that you have to drop the people who don't understand your ADHD, but try to educate them if they're willing to listen. I think that very often what happens sometimes is that as people learn about their ADHD, they get anxious about how and if they should explain it to their boss, their friends, their family. So we help coach them in that area. But the big thing is trust and not like shoving it down their face, but using it as an explanation for yourself, not an excuse and say, Hey, this is what I struggle with. This is what my ADHD looks like and how it plays into my life. I just want to let you know. And again, it's not an excuse and explanation. I'm getting support with it. So if I interrupt you, or if I forget to text you back, it could be because of my ADHD and I'm working on it. Yeah. I think that it's uh, transitioned over the past several years of people being more open with what is going on. And so that was one of our main missions too, is it's not something that is frowned upon. It should just be talked about. And so it makes it very open in communication, whether it be with your significant other or family. So we agree a hundred percent. And with success stories, with your coaching and um, just the entire group that you have created as your business. Can you share just a story? You don't have to give names, of course, but just a success story that you were working with someone and where they started and where they ended. Absolutely. So um, (laughs) one of my first clients was actually from Singapore. He was in NYU um, as a grad student and just was diagnosed with ADHD and it was trying to get through his thesis. So we got him from starting his thesis to completing his thesis and graduating with NYU. He had owned a restaurant before going to grad school and he failed in the restaurant business. And we learned why over time. However, with the coaching, he learned about his strengths, his weaknesses, how he was showing up for himself and others. And we got him through his thesis. He graduated at NYU in Singapore and then became an ADHD coach. And ironically, I, yeah, I was um, talking and connecting with someone from New York who owns a tutoring company and they wanted to connect with people in Singapore. So I reached out to this person and now he is a certified ADHD coach with a thriving business. And I was like, that is so cool that I met you at the time that you had no idea what you wanted to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. So that happens more than you think just in giving yourself a space to talk it out with another person. A lot of ADHDers are verbal processors and really don't understand their strengths. I'm not talking about hobbies and sports. I'm talking about their core character strengths and how they use their strengths with their ADHD. So I've had someone who came to me also was starting their business, tripled their income in one month in working together and is a thriving nutritionist. I've had CEOs of companies who at age 50, like have multiple businesses and finally learned how to delegate 
in a way that worked for them and feel confident in their support staff and in their abilities to have a hold on the company and a pulse and understand mm-hmm. what's going on and have that thrive. I've had children who finally feel accepted in school. I've had college students who was a thriving A plus advanced accelerated high schooler, but then went to college in an honors program and was failing after the first semester because that lack of structure. Mm -hmm. And then we brought that person out of academic, what's it called? Probation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Academic. And then was then a 3.5 student. Wow. So that's so interesting because it's all very different people and very different paths of life. And of course, you know, everyone struggles with something differently. I feel like when I was growing up and maybe this is changed a little bit or not, but I think when people were diagnosed with ADHD, a lot of medication was pushed on them. Is that still the case today? Or are there a lot more coping mechanisms that aren't medication? Yeah, so there's definitely behavioral strategies, coaching, CBT, DBT, working with someone as an accountability partner. So those are some behavioral strategies and they definitely can work for a person who is ready to make changes in their life and can show up for themselves and use the tools and uh, be accountable to themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I typically recommend the behavioral strategies first before the medication, just to see what type of tools and systems and structure you can create for yourself. Because the medication, although I personally am on medication, my husband is, my children are, they all got on it after (laughs) meeting me. Um, I believe in medication for most people. It doesn't work for everyone, but it works for most. I, it only works while it's in your system. So it's not going to create structure. It's not going to create routines. It's going to help you focus when, if it works on the things that are important, but it's not going to tell you what's important to focus on. So you still have to decide yourself, like how to prioritize and create structure and all the other goals and uh, actions that you want to work on. Yeah, I love the way that you put that because growing up, Adderall was just, I mean, that is what everyone talked about, sure. especially in college too. I feel like it was very prevalent. So yes, I am so it was glad like you said that. In yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, here, just take some Adderall. It's fine. No. Yes. No, seriously. A lot of my clients will come to me and say, I think I have ADHD. I'm not going to lie. I tried Adderall before and it worked for me and blah, blah, blah. They end up getting an ADHD diagnosis, not because Adderall worked for them. It was so, it's so easy to come by, Mm -hmm. especially in college. It's like candy. People are giving it out at the library, whatever. Um, Sorry, parents who are sending your kids to college, but yeah, it's very easy to come by. It's so true. It's an enhancement performance drug. So I don't necessarily think that it's the be all end all. And a lot of people who were on it um, and then got off of it and they feel that they're in control of themselves and their lives and they've created coping mechanisms to, you know, accomplish what they need to. Yeah. Do you feel like a lot of people have a fear of getting on medication if they need? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's funny because I actually posted this on my Instagram account, uh, Coaching with Brooke, last week because I started Adderall back up on Tuesday. So I just had a baby and she's five and a half months. Yeah, my little munchkin. 
Thank you. Thank you. So I started Adderall in 2019, in May of 2019. And the first two weeks I remember, so I was anxious. I was like, oh my God, is this going to work? What I mean, do I need it? Like, blah, blah, blah. But I did it as a test to myself and to kind of like see what my clients were going through in the process as well. Plus, you know, my therapist had said, you know, try it out. You might benefit from it. So I did. It took me about two weeks to finally regulate it. Mm -hmm. I was getting like heart palpitations and all this. But then after the two weeks, I was good. And it helped me focus, feel more confident because I was able to put my thoughts together in a clearer way. Anyway, fast forward to when I got pregnant, I got off of the Adderall and I was off of it for nine months. And then also while I was breastfeeding for five and a half months. So I just got back on it a week ago and it's an adjustment to say the least. So people, as much since I've been sharing my story, people have been saying, yeah, I feel really anxious about being on it. You know, Mm -hmm. am I going to get addicted? Do I need it? Does it say something about myself? All of those worries. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Why is there so much fear with being addicted? Because I know that it's very common. I hear about it a lot, at least in the news or articles and things like that. Is it just the way that it makes you feel or is it the ability to have control? What is that mix of feelings? I don't know. But what I can say is Adderall and stimulant medications are not addicting there's been a lot of research and studies about that, it actually, you know, it's out of your system once you stop taking it. Mm -hmm. So you take it, it's either in your system for four to 10 hours, depending on what you're on, and then it's out. So it's not an addictive drug, but there is a lot of misconception about that. A lot of the ADHD experts like Dr. Ned Hallowell and Russell Barclay, they are proponents for medication because Very often for people with ADHD who are not on medication, they can cope in other ways like alcohol abuse, drug addiction, eating. So all these different ways of trying to regulate yourself, but the medication they feel is helpful for individuals with ADHD. And it actually, um, people who aren't on medication, there's some reports that you can actually take like 10 years off your life because of all the stress and negative input that you put into your life. Wow. Wow. That's so interesting. I feel like there is such a fear behind medication. And we talk about this a lot on here because, you know, we're big proponents for whatever works best for you and have no shame in that. And if like after listening to this episode, they're like, hey, maybe my kid might be showing some signs of ADHD. What would be those first steps that you would tell them? Yeah. So everyone asks, oh, is there like an informal test that I can take to see if I have ADHD? So for children, the Vanderbilt is a test very often used. For adults, it's the ARSR. And both of those can be found online. Um, But the very first thing that I would do if you feel you have ADHD is speak to a doctor, speak to your general practitioner, speak to a therapist, a psychiatrist that you trust who knows about ADHD and see if they in fact believe that you do too. People ask, is it important to get the diagnosis? And it depends on what your goal is. Is it your goal to Um, get on some medication is your goal to understand yourself a little bit more, your strengths, your weaknesses, and how to use those in your life and show up for yourself. So I think there's a lot of strength in understanding is what what's going on in your brain. There's a lot of controversy of over labeling something Mm -hmm. and all these labels. Oh, everyone identifies as something, but 
I really believe that it's important for people to understand themselves, yeah. label or not. And what are your goals in accomplishing in, in getting that diagnosis? Yeah, I love the way that you put that because a lot of people are quick to put something, a label on something. But I think it's important to maybe just label it to yourself so that you feel like you can like know yourself versus having to like tell everyone like oh I have ADHD like you know putting that label on it maybe just to like know yourself that you have it know yourself and yeah I mean then that's a good point so people feel very often from my experience empowered once they learn they have ADHD because it explains like I said their whole life and just be careful if you do get an ADHD diagnosis, sharing, like knowing who to share it with, yeah. share it with mm-hmm. people you trust. People say, should I let my boss know? Should I let the person I'm dating know? Should I let, you know, my friends know? That's up to you. It's a very personal decision. Yeah. Yeah. And with coaching, so in our industry, how we had touched on previously, we move a lot, we're bouncing around. So how can someone keep their same coach is there a way to do that or do you have to every time you move you have to get a new one in each state that you live in no so most services now are virtual awesome so we work worldwide with people i've worked with people who've moved from country to country in their transition from state to state in their transition uh it does not matter you know, of course, time zones are a factor, but you figure it out and see if it matches your schedule. That's great. Okay. We asked this question at the end of every single interview. So if you can go back in time and tell your younger self one thing that you know now that would help you when you're younger, what would you say? Everything is going to be okay. Yeah, that's good. We always ask that because, and we don't put it on any prep question because we want to <laughs> see what people's honest answers are. So we we completely agree with that. And we thank you so much for coming on and sharing your truth and your story. And we feel like our audience will benefit from it. I know that Brittany and I learned so much today from our conversation. And if anybody wants to find you or follow you on social media, where should they go? Sure. Everything is coaching with Brooke. So coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G with Brooke with an E, B-R-O-K-E. So my Instagram and Facebook is that, coachingwithbrooke.com. Um, so you can find me there right now. Um, all of our posts are very tip oriented. I believe that's how you found me. Mm-hmm. So we have about 78,000 followers at this point because it just uh, are relatable, digestible content with tips on how to thrive with that symptom of the ADHD. So feel free to follow us. We also have um, free newsletters every week. Um, I have a weekly email that goes out with ADHD tips. I have a lot of freebies on my website, ADHD manual, um, an ebook on how to focus by focusing your time, 13 strategies to help you stay focused. So uh, there's lots of digestible content. Love that. Thank you. And cannot believe that you got coaching with Brooke on an Instagram handle. That's just, I know that's really random, but I feel like (laughs) there's so many people that cannot get like, you know, their name and anything. They have to put like underscore or two or whatever. Anyways. That was because (laughs) I'm an OG of ADHD. You are. You're the OG. Yeah, I was talking to my coaches. I was like, how do we differentiate ourselves from everyone else? They're like, well, that's not even a question, but we should start saying we're the OGs of ADHD. Yeah, <laughs> you are. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much again. And thank you to everyone that's listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.